0: Welcome back, faithful listeners. We're coming to you once again, pre-recorded from my Mid-City Bar 12-mile limit. I am T. Cole Newton, and you're listening to Around with Stephen Cole. The other half of that Stephen Cole is here. Why don't you introduce yourself, Steve?
1: Steve Yamada here on a bright and early bartender morning. That means it's right around noon, so uh, we're all a little bit sleepy here right now. But we've got some hot coffee in front of us, uh, soda waters. It's kind of the brunch thing without any food at the moment. Lots of beverages, no waffles. Anyways,
0: (laughs) Should we start doing waffles for brunch? Do you think that would... uh, No, I don't think so. I think waffles are a pain in the butt. Oh, fair enough, man. That was a very. <laughs> conclu- I was expecting a little more back and forth about waffles. When you know. I am a, a big fan. When I went reason.
1: to Tulane, uh, there was so we had like the dining hall that was there. It was called Bruff, and um, you know you go and get whatever you wanted to eat. But they had a waffle station that was there, oh, and right. for a lot of people, it was like it was like a
0: DIY waffle a station, DIY, a DIY waffle, waffle station, like yeah. make
1: your own waffles, like like at a like at a Holiday Inn or something like that. They've got these waffle stations set up. But the thing about Tulane is. It's a lot of people who are just starting to drink or people who are drinking way too much. So you have all these hungover or drunk people coming in to try and make waffles. So the show is you get a table right there, and you just watch drunk, hungover people burn waffles and then panic while they're trying to pull their burned waffle out of the waffle maker. It's it's brilliant.
0: I'm not recommending we start doing DIY waffles. Well, if there's
1: drunk people burning waffles, I'm all for it. it smells horrible, but looks funny. <laughs>
0: So we've got, we're, we're, our goal today is we want to talk about tipping culture. And there's some real contention about the proper way to tip tipping etiquette. And so Steve and I are going to talk a little bit about tipping bartenders. We actually have differing philosophies on it. So we're going to yell at each other about that. And I think I'm right. And he thinks he's right. So we'll, we'll probably come to blows over it. And we have a couple of guests. One of whom is a a former bartender and current uh, dancer. At I believe the Hustler Club and Rick's. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, anywhere else you're popping up these days?
2: Uh, not yet, but uh, you know, I'm just I'm just a little baby stripper. I'm about to venture out into the world. <laughs> All
0: right, you want to tell <laughs> you want to introduce yourself, everybody. This is uh, do you, do you want to introduce yourself as your performing name, as your or as your your uh, actual? I don't care. Uh, uh, my name is
2: Marcy Simper. My dance name's Betty, though. Because <laughs> okay, she
0: had bangs like Betty Page when she started. Yeah. That was the that was the impetus. And then we our other other guest today also to, here to talk about tipping. He he's a he's a twofer here because he is a working musician here in New Orleans, has been for some time, and he's also a petty cabbist. Both of those professions are highly dependent on tips. So pass the bucket and tip your cabbies, <laughs> and right. uh, let's uh, let Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
3: Hi everyone, uh, Josh Benitez. Uh, New Orleans native, born and raised. Moved around a lot to different parts of the cities. Definitely lived, but lived here my whole life. Uh, and also my mom was a bartender my whole life as well. So Awesome. Where'd <laughs> your worry. mom work?
0: Right now at uh, Le Bonton. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's a great bar. That the
3: Thursday bon night Soul Rebel show.
0: Oh my! That is one of. The, I I lived <laughs> around the corner cool. from Le Bonton for <laughs> my mom's awesome. a year when I first moved to New Orleans, and that was my like Thursday night every week. They didn't have a cover then, even. It was it was. Oh it, it was, yeah. It was, they didn't have a cover then, but it was also like just right after the storm, so it wasn't that busy. Yeah. So you could go, you could dance. It wasn't, didn't feel like you were sardined <laughs> in. It was it was amazing. That was I uh, that was my like beginning of my love for new orleans and brass band music and just cutting loose on a thursday night that was that's great i'll tell oops what's that oops is uh he's uh one of
3: the main band members of the soul rebels oh which one is he i don't (laughs) know (laughs) any of my name he
0: plays uh percussion okay yeah that guy (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah let's let's talk about Steve and I have a fundamental – there's there's basically two schools of thought for tipping bartenders. If you're tipping a server, it's sort of understood that you tip 20%. Uh, for people – some people, if, if for a little bit of older crowd, you tip 15%. That was the cultural norm for a long time. But the the baseline wage for people in the service industry hasn't gone up at the same rate as it has in other industries. So it makes sense that over time – The base tip has gone up. That's why we've seen an increase from 15 to 20% as norm is just to keep up with, you know, it's inflation essentially. We're, we're like the 15%, the tipping represents a greater percentage of service industry income. So it's generally agreed people sort of know that 20% is standard for servers. And I argue, do they? Do they? <laughs> do they? It's becoming, there's that first. It's becoming more <laughs> it's understood. There's sure. some some people be- and and honestly it's like if, if you're still tipping 15% cuz that's how you were raised, don't get mad about it, you know, it's it's still a decent tip. Um, it's not it's not a slup, small enough tip that you can really get angry about. In my opinion, I feel like but a lot of
2: people think it's eighteen percent for some reason yeah. too, which yeah. makes me laugh even more because like you a... really have to go out of your way to do that math. <laughs> and it's like you really want to save that one or two dollars. Like it. Right. Ooh.
1: Yeah, there was I a
2: an episode of Curb
1: Your <laughs> Enthusiasm where uh, Larry David is protesting tipping at his country club. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, they charge an automatic fifteen percent, and he wants to tip eighteen percent, so he just stops tipping because. He's He's like they're not going to force me to do the math. <laughs> I'm
0: just
3: like, it's not that
0: hard. <laughs> oh man! But the, the difference of opinion between Steve and I regarding that is, I think that should apply to bartenders as well. We're essentially performing the same function. I mean, there's a little bit difference in that we're act, we're also preparing the thing that you're going to consume. We're you're not just delivering it to a table. But I think twenty percent, and this is for those who are curious, I, I believe in twenty percent after tax, uh, if, if only because the math is easier. But also, it's like it's a couple of cents to you, and it's it's a couple of cents a hundred times a week to us. It actually, it makes a big difference if you're, those little things. I would say round up to the nearest dollar and tip after tax. It doesn't mean that much to you. It won't make a big difference in your wallet, but it'll make a big difference in ours. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think 20%. And Steve is a, a dollar a drink tipper.
1: Um, yes. Uh, so I think I have to clarify here. I'm not completely in the camp of it's supposed to be a dollar a drink. I mean, here at 12 Mile especially, that it just seems to be the norm for the most part. I, I'm ominously a little bit more like a dollar an interaction unless people are asking for, like, a lot of cocktails. Like, if people are asking for a lot of cocktails, I, I just assume a lot of people are going to open up tabs here. And if you have tabs, I feel that's a full service experience. You're managing somebody's payment. Uh, you're making multiple drinks. You're interacting with them. You're giving them faster service because you're prior the fact that they already have – a payment down, so 20% makes sense at the end of the day. But if people are just paying cash at the get-go, it's kind of like, you know, just just throw a dollar down. And it doesn't have to be a dollar per drink, because once again, you know, if we've got like $2 PBRs, a uh, dollar per PBR, that's a 50% tip, which is great for me, doesn't make a ton of sense, like financially and like from the whole tipping model in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: I agree with you kind of too. And I think... Uh Personally, like if I'm just getting like a mixed drink, it's just like a whiskey and Coke or Mm -hmm. a vodka soda, like that's, I'll leave a dollar for that. But if I'm like getting anything other than that or like a beer, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tip a percentage rather than like a dollar.
1: Right. I think there's um, the one thing which I would agree when I'm in that 20% camp when it comes down to it is. you know, if somebody's coming up multiple times, you might as well open a tab. I don't know why some people are like really against leaving a credit card down because, like, you know, at that point, it's like, all right, I've already tipped you like, you know, $4 and I'm coming back up. It's like, I don't think I really need to tip you any more money. It's like, well, you didn't have to. If you just open up a tab and then you can just tip that one time, and then we're squares. We're totally completely fine. Probably saves you a little bit of money, uh, saves me a big hassle of going to the register every single time. I mean, that's perfectly fine. I think where we really, because we were talking about, me and Cole were talking about this beforehand. Um, in my experience working at Revolution, which is a fine dining restaurant downtown, when I opened that restaurant up, um, we had a very extensive wine program, and uh, all the time while people were waiting for their tables, people would order like bottles of champagne and like really big bottles of like Bordeaux, and you know you'd sell like thousand dollar bottles of wine. I'm not expecting a twenty percent tip off of a thousand dollar bottle of wine. I never am. I just don't see like why that's a thing. You know if someone leaves me fifty dollars to open up a bottle of wine, that's great. It's a cork you know, there's no difference to me in opening up a thirty dollar bottle of wine and opening up a thousand dollar bottle of wine
0: but for uh, the the counter argument is though for a server, say you're serving a $50 steak versus a $10 burger for the server, you're doing the exact same work. So if you're saying that you're basing it on the amount of work that you're doing rather than you're ignoring the context that it comes in, you're ignoring the expertise that is required to properly serve, you know, you're probably going to have to decant that. You're gonna, there's a lot of steps that you need to know about in order to effectively serve and curate that experience for a guest. You're paying for a lot more than just the wine itself, and you're paying the labor involved is different. The the background required is different to open. A thousand, I mean yeah the, the the mechanics of it are similar I mean, a, a thousand dollar like bottle that, of wine versus ten dollar bottle sure but I
1: mean also in Revolution if like we had something if the we had a bottle shoe. of wine that was like yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> if we had a uh, if there was a bottle of wine that was going to be that old like if we had something that was like you know from the 30s or 50s or whatever then typically the SOM would open up that bottle. So then there's even less effort that you have to put into it because you have a <laughs> yeah. salaried employee who's part of the tip pool, I think. I don't really know how the tip share ever worked there. But they're going to open up that bottle. So really, you're just throwing a ticket in there, and it pops up in the wine cellar, and somebody brings it out and opens it up for you. I, uh, I disagree because I, I don't disagree with you, Cole. I agree um, you're starting to talk about servers, and I think that's a different service experience when it comes down to it because um, typically, in my experience, working as a bartender, and it was very high volume at Revolution. Uh, It's a huge bar. There's only two bartenders working it. Um, The amount of service you give when you open up an expensive bottle of wine is very limited because you just don't have that time. When you're server serving is a very different thing. And I don't think people really look at that. And at this point, I am serving and bartending at the same time. When you're serving, it's about providing experience, making people comfortable, and taking a little bit of a step back with your ego as well. And I think a lot of bartenders at this point have a problem doing that, because when you serve, you don't get the quote-unquote amount of respect from your customers. Uh, like, you I don't think, control the environment. As, as you can. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely... I, I, that's your job as a server. I mean, you try and set that up as much as you possibly can. Um, and you, you do control the environment, I think. I mean, it is, like, your table and your section, and, like, you really dictate the pace that other things have, That's your—that That but is the job. Philosophically,
0: though, I think... For me, at least, when serving, which I've done a little bit of. I was never a full-time professional server, but I've, done, I've waited on a couple tables. But the dynamic is different because you're basically leasing that table to your guests for the duration of their, their time with you. So that's that's not your table. It's in your section, but it's their table. Whereas when a guest is at your bar, they still understand that it's your bar and they are in your space in a different way. I think, that, so the relationship yeah, is different. Yeah, with sure.
1: I can see that, but um, once again, I think like, the tipping dynamic is very different from that than like, you know, if you're a bartender opening up an expensive bottle of wine or if you're a server and someone's sitting down for a three-hour meal in a section and they're getting multiple bottles of wine and you have to course it properly and make sure to keep filling their glass. I mean, it's a different service mechanism. Does that grant... Uh, more, a higher tip percentage? I think so. I mean, I, I definitely think so. If you're just popping, like, the, the basic mechanic of opening a bottle of wine and pouring it doesn't dictate automatically a percentage
0: of a tip. I just, I, I think if you're going to, if you're willing to spend $1,000 on a bottle of wine, you should be prepared to tip appropriately. I'm and just, and I, yeah. I guess we have, the difference is what we consider to be appropriate. But yeah. I think if you're going to, be if you're going to buy anything in a restaurant or bar, be prepared to pay 20% on top of that for the service included. Hmm. The, yeah. One aspect that you y'all, both it. y'all
2: didn't mention it also is the fact that people People that you tip also have to tip out other people for right. like, a percentage of what you are buying. Oh yeah, right. So yeah. that's a major factor in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, so yeah. It's like you're maybe, tipping out a I don't percentage. know how it works at Revolution. Maybe because it's such high price items, it's not like super.
1: Well, uh, know, it's but, a fine dining yeah, system yeah. at that point too. So you've got teams of three. You've got your yeah, back waiter. You've anyway, got, yeah. So yeah, So it actually makes sense that like the server should get a higher tip because the bartenders, the only people we would tip out would be our bar back, which is a much smaller percentage than a server who has to tip out two. other other people plus
3: the bar. Can, mm-hmm. can I weigh in a little bit here? Though? Of course, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, no you. talking on this podcast. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, no. So I, I will say though, the um, I as a pedicabber and I've and and have growing up in bars and also doing some serving as well. I will say the emotional labor of a bartender <laughs> is significantly greater. Like as a server, you can just kind of walk away from a table. Ah. You know, you can just be like, "All right, I'm gonna go get some silverware." You know? <laughs> but like, a- as a bartender, you're, you're sort of, you're not trapped. I mean, you can always kick someone out, but, right? But that's, that, well, yeah. but, it depends <laughs> on your establishment. Yeah, <laughs> but, but there's, but you know, like, man, what do you do? You know, someone comes to your bar and yeah. crying. You're like, right.
0: yeah, you. There, there is a level <laughs> you of know, emotional. Like, you,
3: you can't like ignore it. So you got. I mean, you have to interact with that person. You know, it's just your yeah you're, yeah
0: no that's that's real. And that, I'm
3: just saying yeah. like that that I mean honestly that's sort of the whole
0: issue with the tipping industry in general, right? Is like there's, I think we can yeah that yeah that you're dealing with the emotions of your guests as uh, much as there's anything huge else. Huge amount of emotional labor
2: in all of these. Yeah, let's, let's, talk oh, about, let's talk about
0: that as it relates to to, to being an exotic dancer. Yeah. Let's, just, oh, man. let's use the fewest syllables oh, possible. God. No, because you have to do that a ton, right? Oh, that you're God. dealing with it, people who are looking for <laughs> somebody. Like, I want you to dance on my lap while I'm wearing a top, but I also want to tell you about all of my problems oh. in this private environment 100%. in which you're kind of obligated to listen to me.
2: Um, my stripper mom, my mommy, because um, I've only been dancing for like five months now, she calls herself a naked comedic therapist. That is amazing. It's so accurate. <laughs> but I mean, it, nobody that like... like People can go on Tinder and you can find a date. Like Those people don't want to go to the strip club. It's a certain kind of person that goes to a strip club and there's a certain kind of thing that most of them want. And a lot of it's emotional labor. It's not really even like... So many men that I've... Some of the most high-paying customers that I've had have been like, oh, put your top on. You're wonderful. Like, you're just... Here's a $1,000. Like, Do you equate <laughs> like, it kind of to the, uh, kind of to the, the girlfriend me. experience? Yeah, it's very much the girlfriend
0: experience. It's For fine. those who don't know, that's what uh, a lot of that sex is, workers you know? describe. That, that's what the johns for lack of mm-hmm. a better term that's what the, the clients are looking for is someone to essentially pretend to be their girlfriend for oh, totally. an hour or two
2: and that's different to everybody and that's that's where the variety comes in of what you're doing i guess but you know so you
0: tell your girlfriends to put their tops back on
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know
3: you know it depends on if i'm in the mood yeah. <laughs> like hey babe let's just watch some tv <laughs> well let's talk about let's talk I mean, about that being but, said that,
2: well i was thinking ahead. earlier when you said that about like the bar being e- as a woman serving and being behind the bar, I found it easier to be behind the bar because there's a literal wall in between me and my customers. And, like, (laughs) I went from working at the same place and being a server and then changed to being a bartender. And the way that the same customers that I'd known for, like, almost two years treated me differently, Mm -hmm. just bartending was entirely, like, Men would grab my arm and be like, What's that tattoo? Like, oh, tell, tell me about I'm it. Like, do that thing. Yeah. Then I'd be behind the bar and they'd be like, Oh, your artwork is beautiful. And like <laughs> I'm wow. like,
0: What? Is it just because <laughs> they can't reach Are you or because me? they there's that implicit <clears throat> relationship, like I don't, you're in their <throat> their space versus they're in your space? I
2: don't no know. know. i uh, that, yeah. that also know that's a That was a valid, really a valid point, but I don't know. Yeah, and I'm I'm giving them something yeah, different. I don't know. I've thought about it a lot and I really can't pinpoint what it is. But you know
3: what? You know. As a penny cabber. And a musician, I will say I'm pretty sure it's the physical wall because people think it's totally (laughs) fine to grab me all the time. Yeah. While you're driving them and their life is in your hands. Or while I'm playing music, they Ah. come up on stage and literally grab me. I'm not, and it's like what are you doing I can't make the yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. and they'll try to sing that? and I'm like are you kidding me like, and they're like and they get mad like you won't let me sing it's like no yeah. I'm like, fuck off sing? Like, are you kidding like would you do that with any other person working it's like people at a comedy show man that's a like nice jackhammer like- <laughs> 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 mind if I use it yeah. I, I watch people do it all the time yeah.
1: <laughs> my dad
0: used to do it It's I hammer nails when I'm at home yeah. Yeah. It's probably the same same thing (laughs) Uh,
1: so um i think i want to circle back just a little bit here just when when we're talking about like the whole aspect of tipping um when i was in college i uh came to this realization that there's certain things that people just don't really teach you, um, like just etiquette for how to perform. One is going to bars. Tipping's a big one, too. I, I grew up in a restaurant family, so my dad was pretty good about like teaching us how to tip properly. Uh, but you know, nobody teaches you how to go into a bar, how to order drinks. It's just things you pick up through trial and error, how definitely. to tip your bartender. <laughs> um, I, I think that strip clubs are definitely the same thing as well. There's mm-hmm. nobody who teaches you strip club etiquette, and I think because of that, people are like, Unintentionally rude or bad tippers? There, do you, do you see that I at all?
2: Uh, I don't know necessarily if it's unintentionally. I think you you end up being there long enough to where you pick up on the culture. Right. I don't I, at some point. I don't remember the first time I went to a strip club, but I went and I was like, yeah, boobies throwing right. money everywhere. So like, I don't I don't understand how the learning curve so like slow for some people. I, uh, I don't know. What what is the striping? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: if you're if you are just are, is there a place where you can sit and because a lot of people like, maybe go to wind up – like, I don't say that people wind up at strip clubs unintentionally. But, yeah. for example, like, I, I, the, the last time I was at a strip club was because I had a friend in town. It was his bachelor party. He wanted to go to a strip most club. Which is super common. Most people kind of are either there with like um, their – yeah, some situation so, like that. So it, it, yeah. I, it, it seems – But so is there a way to be in the strip club where like how do you – is there an obligation, if you're in the strip club at all, that you should be tipping whoever's dancing? What is What are the protocols of if you're just if you're just there? You um, really? If
2: you're not sitting at the stage, then you don't have to tip the dancer on stage. Okay. Like, that bottom line. And it it's, would be nice if maybe you put $2 up on the stage at some point just to, like, make an effort. Like, you yeah. give a crap. You know what I mean? Like, same, I would think you would say for music, like, throw $2 in the tip bucket. Like, it's fine if you're not rolling in dough. Like, mm. just... Appreciate, yeah, and like make it known that you actually appreciate, you know, and or if you're just like that guy that's sitting in the corner drinking a beer, and some girl comes to talk to you because she's doing her job. Mm-hmm. Like I've ha- I've had this happen many times with dudes, and it's not offensive. They're like, hey, just so you know, I'm not gonna get a dance from you, and it's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go on my way. Right. And or I right. do end up talking to them for a minute, and he's like, this, here's a couple dollars. Like I know you're working. And I'm like, cool, thanks. Like that's so oh. nice to me when people do that. To be honest, I, like I don't think
1: I've ever done. I've definitely yeah. had the conversation of like, hey, yeah, I'm not paying for a dance, you which know? is
2: fine, <laughs> and. But but if i if i've sat there and talked to somebody long enough sometimes too they'll like be like here's you know 5 to 20 dollars which is the cost of like a table dance which is mm-hmm. a song you know and like you know have a good rest of your night and it's like it's fine
1: yeah <laughs> wicked
2: yeah, yeah. i uh,
1: i remember um, me and my me and one of my close friends at some point we decided uh, it's like we're gonna learn how to like appropriately go to strip clubs <laughs> and we decided to go to uh, uh, some of the less reputable strip clubs to kind of like learn and um, I don't think it's open anymore but um, was, is it Big Daddy's or it was that's, there was
2: a club named Big Daddies the one with the legs sure.
1: swinging out the window or yeah. something like that so oh it's not, it's not I a, was a famous
0: door now. no that's, that's not a strip club,
1: that's no. not a strip club. No. yeah that's a that's a, that's a sex, sex, yeah. sex yeah. club I'm pretty sure it had a but, famous it had sex. a famous <laughs> door
2: there was like a trans, trans club too like back when I was younger I was that, just remembering the other day and it's just a not trans around club. anymore it, it wasn't that but yeah. there was one too uh, and I, I just found out the other day the rainbow room closed
0: uh, did you all was so that? Sad.
2: that was the gay strip club
0: on the oh. Oh. oh I didn't even yeah. know there was one <laughs> huh. Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, the one with the legs is now Rick's Sporting Saloon which is sort of like a strip club slash sports bar Huh. It's
2: interesting. Lots I might of go I might go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. So
1: we uh, we end up at this strip club and, and a um and it was it was one of those places where it's like uh like you know private dances are like $15 and like uh but we we you know we we were having very frank discussions with the uh the young lady who was dancing, you know just about what's like the right way and the wrong thing to do. And the one thing she told us which I thought which I I've, I've carried with me this nugget of, of wisdom into any strip club I've ever been into is uh if you're sitting at the uh, at the stage, don't like hold all your money out because it's like kind of rude cuz it's kind of mm-hmm. saying like I'm going to give you all this money. Oh, totally. So like it's like you don't uh, you only hold out the money that you're going to end up giving that person. Yes. Uh, uh, it's yeah. like I'm
2: dangling this in front of you. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah.
0: strip club etiquette, guys. Did you yeah. know that, Cole? No, but that seems kind of intuitive. Hey, if hey, you're stop! like holding out $10. It's like, and here's two for you. Right. But I mean, even wow. if you the eight, you could have gotten if you were sexier. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. like if you've I got should... a,
1: a stack of ones, you Accurate. know, like, you know, keep like, you know, don't hold the whole stack out. Like, just like, you know, just like yeah. hold out what you're Peel out a leaving. couple exactly. of it.
3: Yeah, right. no, yeah. No, I never even realized how many times I've been slighted by that. Mm-hmm. Like, it always made me feel funny because people do that with bands too. Mm-hmm. Really? will be like, Fan- oh, people can't see this. I'm pretending to fan through a bunch of money right here. And I'm holding a giant wad, and then I go like 50s and 20s and 10s and 5s, and then I'm like, put two ones in there. And you're like, okay.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm not mad, but like, I remember once I was in, I was doing literally door dangling door canvassing for the environment this was right after high school and he was doing that thing where you go door to door and ask for like I was, the, it was for the National Forest there's a group called US PERG Public Interest Research Group and their big thing is like going door to door recruiting people for their for their lobby and you were are, are we are supposed to ask for x amount of money but if you if you saw somebody who was like a mark you're like feel free to ask for however much money you think you can get from a given person. <laughs> a so a Mark was that a professional It was term? not the professional. <laughs> it was not the agreed upon term in this trade. But that was <laughs> that was the just like if you're like so it was like you you know if you're in a middle class neighborhood you get 20 bucks from 10 different people that was a good day. But if you're in an upper class, like a really rich neighborhood you most people aren't going to give you money but the people who do will really ball out. So I I went up to this door I'd have I'd like made 50 dollars all day. And I was like, "All right, this is the this is the one." And <laughs> yeah. so I come in and I was like, "Okay, we have a recommended contribution of one hundred and fifty dollars." And I was like, "Okay, this is this is what should make or break my night, basically." And the guy is like, "Okay," and just pulls a bunch of ca- like most people would cut you a check or like fill out the form with <laughs> a credit card. This guy was like, "Oh, one hundred and fifty dollars? Yeah, I've got that." And he starts fanning through a bunch of hundreds. He's like, "I think I got a fifty in here somewhere." And I was oh. like, "Guys, oh, my asked God. For more should have been a round number. <laughs> I could have easily." Yeah, but that's the thing. It's Like, oh man, that's a lot. Like, I'll take any amount of those. That's hundreds. That's basically but, you know. my job,
2: but in like l- lingerie, you know. You're not gonna save the net. You're an environmentalist.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm what saving I, what my, did, my life. But I, sorry, I mean, what I was, what I would tell people, like, what are you selling? I was like, we're well, yeah. not selling anything other than peace of mind. You know, you yeah, feel yeah. like you've made <laughs> like, made a difference.
2: And they still give you money.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: <laughs>
1: All right, so uh, with a strip club, what is the appropriate amount to tip for different services? You know, if people buy dances
2: and stuff, I don't expect tips. Because we we pay a portion of that to the club. I I mean, I love it if somebody tips me. Of course. I'm not going to be like (laughs) See, I thought it was 20%. No, but... No, so...
3: You know, honestly, so did I, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We we pay a portion of the cost for dances and stuff to the club, Mm -hmm. so that we keep the rest, and that that's our actual income that we're making. Mm-hmm. So, if people give me a couple dollars on top of that, then that's super awesome. Like, it doesn't happen often. Right. Um, so, like, if they do, it actually stands out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, But that also doesn't go for, like, the waitresses, like, your table, and also, like, mm-hmm. if you buy a room or something, your waitress is running the room, so you want to tip your waitress mm-hmm. still for, like, if you get a room. Yeah. And but would if that you're be 20%, like,
1: would you say? Yeah.
2: You know, depending on the interaction that you have with your waitress, and, you know, well for for a room it's more questionable because they're high priced but that's kind of like your your uh-huh, wine conversation. Wine, right? Yeah, it's it's same same concept really. Right. I'd uh, say
1: almost it's more important because that's such a large percentage of that waitress's time. I had a friend yeah. who was working at Hustler. She was working at Hustler and she uh, ended up like waitressing or like curating the private rooms for a little mm-hmm. while too. And it's like you might there's nice when some people don't get a private room, you know. Mm-hmm. So like the people who do get a private room, you really have to you know, really work that because that's mm-hmm. your whole night right mm-hmm. there. It's just like the one or two rooms that you get.
2: Yeah, so that's
1: true. yeah, it's like if you get stiffed on one of those tips, you're kind of screwed for the whole night. Totally. Ah. Yeah, I,
2: I don't. Yeah, I don't. I haven't, I've only worked like seven Chester Hustlers, so I don't know mm. super works there. At, at Ricks, we rotate it out though, so the waitresses take turns and okay. it gets it's a little more even.
1: Right on. Um, um, but yeah, so with bartending and the parallel, and I'd love to hear your uh, uh, take on this too, Josh. Sure. Thanks. Um, with tips. I think people there are people out there who think that if they're a good tipper, they get more from uh, the from the bar industry. It's like if somebody leaves you a good tip, they're expecting a good drink next time. They mm-hmm. want you to like, you know, they're they're expecting that like, <laughs> like you know, a little heavy pour, yeah, heavier pour, a round of shots maybe or something like that. It's it's very interesting, like you know, like you can have like even regulars at some point who like or people come in on a regular basis and they're like, but I'm a good tipper, you know. It's like oh, like you need to wait on me first because I'm a good tipper, which you know there's there's a Priority that you definitely, like, mm-hmm. will prioritize people who, like, you know, come in on a regular basis and they're paying your bills. But, like, you know, when some people get up in arms or some people are just like, hey, you never buy me a shot or something like that, it's always like, but why should I? I mean, like, it's kind of like, I mean, I understand that you're tipping, which is good, but I can't just give away Cole's bar.
0: I mean, I'm yeah. not, not, not <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> But that having been said, you do treat people like if somebody is known to be a good tipper versus somebody who's known to be a shitty tipper and they come in at the same time, you're going to take care of the good tipper first.
1: Mm, I try to take care of people evenly when they, when they come Relatively. Yeah. I
3: appreciate yeah. your objectiveness. Within I reason. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Within, yeah. I mean, I, you, you want to take care of people as evenly as possible, but if it comes down to a choice between the two. I mean, yeah. yeah, sure. I
1: mean, yeah. for example, I mean, we've got one gentleman who comes in here and drinks uh, Crown and Sprites all the time, and he never tips. He's just, he never tips, but I give him good service every time he's in here because he's a nice guy. He yeah, he's a, sweet, he's a real sweetheart. We, yeah. we, we love him. But doesn't tip a dime,
0: so I mean, <laughs> I don't deprioritize <laughs> de-
1: him. I have gotten tips from him, but like, <laughs> it is the blue moon. Twice. Yeah. I think my big thing is at this point, point I train whenever I get the opportunity to train people as well. If you're in the long view of being in the tipped industry at some point, it's like you have to realize that it's a game of averages. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, definitely. And it's very funny too because people get hung up on the worst tip they ever get and the best tip they ever get. Nobody mm-hmm. talks about the 20% tips that they get all night or the 25% tips. It's like it's always about that $1,000 tip you got or that one time that this jerk <sighs> stiffed you. And that's crazy because it's like, okay, well, that $1,000 tip, Zero, it's still a $500 tip on average, which is way above, like, you know, oh, yeah, normal. So it's just like, it's just like, you got to think of it that way. Like, and it's just like, sure, if you let somebody weigh you down, or like, you know, like, especially if you let a bad tip weigh you down, that's just going to bring down your average for
3: the entire night because you're going to be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I I try my absolute best to focus on how that person interacted with me more than any other, like, amount that I got for them. Like, if they come in, well, Rather, if like for a pedicab ride, mm-hmm. if we went really far and they gave me the exact amount, but they were super cool and fun, and I just enjoyed having them around. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. even if they give me less than the ride is
0: worth. Yeah. What's the, like, <laughs> so, you, so you, what's the yeah? What's the protocol of, uh, with pedicabs or with? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's some overlap with actual cabs or uh, now that now Uber allows tipping. So there's some, there's some. What do you do? You get. <laughs> Is, there, is 20% what you recommend for people who ask? What a, what's the protocol there? Because that's one of the... I mean, a, lot of, a lot of people, like, even people... who yeah, I totally don't, like really don't know Steve, how pedicabs work. Uh, I the don't, f- yeah. People, people who have been in the service industry for a long time, we don't know, I don't know how to tip a barista, necessarily. I don't know how to tip a cabbie. I don't know how to tip a doorman. And so those sure. interactions can be very fraught for people when they don't understand the protocol.
3: Yeah, and I definitely that's why I I'd prefer to make like an awesome wage, but like an awesome <laughs> hourly wage so like those weird things don't have to come up. Um yeah, so I think the the first first, first and foremost, pedicab the city rate is $1 per block per passenger mm. with the first block being free, but there's a 5 block minimum. That's a lot of that's a, like a mouthful, so I usually just say $1 a block per person. If um, so if you are only going a block, the ride is free. No, that's why there is <laughs> a five block minimum. Oh yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. yeah. All right, I'll get out here. I need another. Cab. Yeah, <laughs> pedicab got, got where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you call a pedicab? <laughs> yeah. uh, pedicab. You call one of your buddies. I need a ride. One <laughs> um, block.
0: Get out <laughs> and get back into the same. Caddy. Yeah, I, I know my rights as a writer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
3: Um, but so so I th- le- legally. Also, I think even with bartenders, right? You're not legally obligated to tip someone. Oh
0: no, No. right? Tipping
3: is always optional. So it's the same with a petty cap. You know, if we went 20 blocks and it's twenty dollars, and you don't tip me, then that's within
0: your right. What do you get? What percentage of your how 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 is your wage determined? So if if somebody does stiff you on a twenty dollar ride or doesn't tip you on a twenty dollar ride, how much of that money do you actually get?
3: The uh yeah, so in New Orleans there's a unique system. Uh it's a leasing system which you lease the pedicab for a shift. So like tonight if I was to work, we'll just like make up a number. Uh let's say tonight the the, the cost of renting the pedicab was fifty dollars, then I would anything I make after that is mine to keep. Nice. Oh, and like- that and that lease rate is based on your projected amount of Income. So, does, like, is so it weather fluctuates. dependent? Is it based it on how much fluctuates. business is in so, the city at any given yeah, well, sure. week? I mean, how
0: many, what are, what are the, some of the factors that affect the rate that you pay to lease that cap?
3: The upfront factors are time of year, um, time of day, like day or night, and any special events. So, if it's middle of August, nothing's happening, it's super hot outside on a Wednesday, you know, like, there is a rate that that they put, but usually, if there's a consensus that the day shift or whatever shift was awful or terrible or non-profitable, that they usually bring the the rate down for you. It's more of a cap. So, like, let's say we work Monday night for fifty dollars, and I make five hundred because some person wants to give me lots of money. Well, they're not going to charge me, you know, like two hundred because I made five. It's still fifty. This, you see what I'm saying? But mm. if I only made 100, usually the manager is not going to ask for half of what I made mm. and usually go for something more reasonable, like 30 or 35.
0: So they're not hard and fast, but there's some flexibility built into the, not necessarily into the system, but into the execution.
3: It depends on the company you're working for, the manager that's working. By By law, you're an independent contractor, so they could require you legally to pay that amount. Um, Although that's not very good for employee morale.
1: Yeah, it sounds like to me, from what I've heard, it's there is a high demand for, you know, cyclists for the uh, for the pedicabbers. Like, you know, it's hard to retain employees, maybe, or like finding people to like, you know, consistency seems to be the problem. I think I've 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 talked <clears> to some <throat> people about staffing. and It's just like there's some days where it's like, you know, since the are you are independent contractors, you're not really scheduled for shifts. There's going to be some days where just like I need people to ride right now. Sure.
3: Because we don't, yeah, um, because the pedicabs don't benefit from more. Like, we don't get overtime. Right. Um, we don't have to work a minimum amount of hours. We don't get any benefits from working more or less other than the money that we might or might not make. Mm-hmm. So so it's, it's, there's, there's a lot less incentive to work a slow shift. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less incentive to go out there and work in the rain, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, like what if, I, don't, I don't get sick. Right or if I get sick, rather I don't get compensated for that. Right. So you
0: know, it, why would I do that? Is that similar in the club? You're yeah, essentially it's, it's an independent contractor. A, are are you on sa- not salary? That, that would you be have weird, a but choice are, do too. You, actually, so you can be an employee mm-hmm. of a given club. Are you?
2: No, I'm an independent contractor, and it basically works the same thing as the petty cap system. Like you, you pay a certain amount when you go in. Like it's called your house fee to the club, and you it's at the both places that I work. The highest it is is a hundred, and it's after midnight. It's hundred, and then it staggers to lesser amounts the earlier that you go in, mm-hmm. um, and on weekdays it's cheaper. Same kind of situation. So, and like, say you have an awful night, and you don't make any money. Your manager's your friend. He'll like comp your house fee, and you don't have to pay anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so
1: what a weird business. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Problem. <laughs> it's weird because I'm just not in that kind of a business. It's just like, like I guess from the serving bartender perspective, I've just been conditioned that like, you know. My hourly wage pays my taxes. That's that's just what happens. You know, it's just like, you know, whatever hourly you are, it's like, you know, two thirteen, five dollars, eight dollars an hour. It's like, you know, you're just making what your tips are. So I I guess it kind of is a wash end of the day, really, right? I mean, it's just like it's it's the same thing. It's just like different systems that have been implemented.
3: Now that I think about it, I wouldn't mind like some kind of bogus like $3 Three dollars or something, yeah. mm-hmm. just just so I didn't have to deal with my taxes later. Yeah, because that is the thing. Like we, oh, like yeah. you have to deal. We have to deal with that on the back end. You have to fill a ten ninety then, and, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. <laughs> I think that's what yes, they call I it. Do. How do you, you know, I have to
3: do a quarterly ten ninety. Ask my accountant that
2: I've got to hire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, that's my no. plan.
3: Yeah. <laughs> just waiting on him to get back to me. No, <laughs> yeah. You should use Wait terms now. like quarterly ten ninety. I sent him all my receipts. Just. Uh, <laughs>
0: Um, I believe, like, 30 of our, <laughs> our listeners are auditors for the IRS, so... <laughs> oh, hey, how
3: you doing?
2: Well, uh, third, third well, uh that... Yeah. <laughs> I never use my real name, it's all a lie.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. So, uh, let, uh, Go oh, ahead, Steve, I, you got something. I, so, I've got a pressing question. So, I'm, I'm a fat kid. Uh, do fat people pay more, or should they pay more? Like, is it harder to pedicab <laughs> <laughs> fat kids? I mean, that's, I'm a- sorry, that's, that's one of the reasons why I do not take... One, I think, so, <laughs> pedicabs are a little bit... It, it's kind of a... a To me, it's a bit of a tourist experience when it comes down to it. It's very convenient, um, but it's also one of those like things that it's more for out of towners than it is for just like me, like just who works in the quarter all the time. But also, every time I get on, I feel like it's the hottest time. And like it's just, I, I've had two experiences. One was in Japan with his rickshaw rider, and he spoke good English, but okay. all he talked about is how asthmatic he was. <laughs> nice,
3: <laughs> good, good plug. Right. He's
1: like taking notes. Yeah. Same thing Asthma. happened here. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I went from I went from Felipe's to uh, to downtown tattoos, and I had like the same. It was like July what? Was Tales of the Cocktail a couple oh, of years ago. Oh, Felipe's <laughs> in I'm the singing, French court. Okay, yeah.
0: I was like, the what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, this, the guy had the same. Thing. He was just like he's like yeah. The thing is like you know like I'm kind of asthmatic and this weather doesn't agree with you. I was like what the fuck is this? Like I get on here, it's, it's a horrible for my self image for one. I'm just like oh my god, I'm killing this
2: person.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like, is that a thing? Like like I'm sorry, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But no, I
3: will. I like, love to. Like if
1: you roll up and like it's just like two very overweight people. You're like oh my god, they better tip me really well.
3: I I personally. Okay, so here's another like thing about pedicabbing is, like, um, the rate that you charge, r- rather, you're getting charged to lease the bike, mm-hmm. and there's a city rate, but if you read the, the it says up to $1 per block per person. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can, eat, I, like, if I knew you really well, I don't, you know, just like bartending, I suppose, like, except for there's no fee, I can ride you around all day. And not not charge you a dollar if mm. I wanted. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm am usually pretty flexible about what I expect from a from a person. Um, as far as like bigger people, um, you know, again, I, I digress. Like, if people are great, they're fun, they're cool, love to talk to them. I, I don't care how much they give me as long as it's like not shit. Or if they're upfront, like, hey, I don't have any money. I'd be like, all right, well, you know what, you know, like, you seem like a cool guy. <laughs> that's,
1: that's a harsh one to lay out at the very end, right? It's like, by the way,
3: yeah, you got to leave with uh, that. That's what yeah. you're, that's <laughs> oh, you. Oh no, then right? if they if they leave with that, I'm like,
1: thanks
0: for taking me yeah, to Shell, Ned. I don't so... have any money.
3: <laughs> that's illegal.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what's the most number of riders you've ever had in a pedicab at one time?
3: This pedicab wasn't in New Orleans, uh, where the legal limit is three. Okay. Uh, <laughs> six people. Six. <laughs> Did you charge a dollar per person per block in that? Uh, it was six girls, and I really just, like, they really wanted to do it, and I just really wanted the experience. <laughs> 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 Bachelorette <laughs> party, maybe? No. No? <laughs> no, it was just six girls. Just six girls. So it, was just, it was just funny. Huh. It was just really funny. That's
1: funny. Last question. Sorry, I, I just, it's, it's like, pedicabs. just, like, kind of, it's not, it, it's not that it's bizarre to me, it's just, I remember, like, what a big stink the cab companies put up when pedicabs
3: oh, being, like... for no you know, reason.
1: Over, well, they're just... They're a monopoly, so they're going to fight for everything, right? Yeah, industry. they going to ruin the cab company. He's like, no, no, Uber's going to ruin the cab <laughs> just... yeah. Which it did. It did. Yeah. It oh, ruined yeah. the cab industry. Yeah, but... oh, well, there's a reason. You know
2: what? United Cab is on point these days. It comes real fast. <laughs> well, the only people who are
1: driving for United Cab are, really have to be the good drivers. The yeah. bad ones have been Same with pedicabbing, actually. Yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. Um, what is the longest ride you've ever done?
3: The longest ride? The longest of... ride. Uh, you know... I'll say the most memorable long ride, because I've had others that were just like really boring. For example, in, uh, in Baton Rouge, I rode from the campus all the way to the inner city mm-hmm. by means of the levee. Mm-hmm. And that's, but my, my, How long is that for
1: anybody who doesn't know about Baton Rouge? Like me, I don't know anything about
3: Baton Rouge. I don't know, like five miles or so, something okay. like that.
0: I'm surprised there's pedicabbing at all in Baton Rouge. It's such a spread out, like a sprawl kind of city. LSU football man
3: Fair <laughs> it's crazy that's another crazy it's story awful. <laughs> that's, it's awful, awful like but it's worth it yeah. you know? <laughs> God,
1: this is that that should be the tagline for this episode it's awful, <laughs> awful but, but it's, it's worth it, it. Yeah. not true it's just a joke everybody yeah probably a 12 mile limit
3: it, <laughs> In New Orleans, <laughs> probably my longest single direction ride because that's not counting like looping. Because I've definitely like done what's called like I refer to it as a timed ride. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I did a ride from uh, Jackson Square uh, all the way to well past well past uh, Loyola, Tulane. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. That that's, is that's a long way. Yeah. It was on a bet. It really long. On a bet. Yeah, a guy. <laughs> How long before this pedicab arrived? A guy. Out? A guy <laughs> bet me that I couldn't get there in less than fifteen minutes. Oh
0: wow! <laughs> and at the time, I was a. Did he so, bet you the fare, basically. It's like double or nothing.
3: <laughs> yeah, a dollar a block per passenger, and it was two people.
0: It, and. I'm, I'm sorry
1: that like that seems like a really poor survival instinct kind of situation. It's like <laughs> it's like, all right, I want you I'm gonna ride in the back of this completely open, unexposed like you know thing and I want you to get there as fast as possible, regardless <laughs> of the method.
3: so it was it was during Mardi Gras and I knew where all the streets uh-huh. had no vehicle vehicular traffic, sure. Yeah. so I I knew that for it was really just up to me to just pedal straight on. yeah and uh, you I just been a, got I've just gotten I've been box. a cyclist since I was like a like a young kid, so yeah. I was like, uh, Good to go. I was like, dude, you're going to lose all your money. He's like, no, I'm not. There's no way. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sure. It's a dollar block per person. He's like, pff, pff. he's like, how much, how much? And so I, I don't remember, it was something like a hundred or some, some, some odd blocks. So 200. And he's like, He's like, "I'll bet you every dollar in my wallet." And he opened his wallet, it's full of I was like, "All right, all right. <laughs> you gotta see what kind of bills those
1: are." It was no. all dollar bills. Oh, I knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I that knew trick. what that was. You put the one one hundred over yeah. like 100
3: hundred yeah. ones. Yeah. It's like, yeah, look how much Fan money. Fan it I out for me. Well, but even then, even then, like, okay, let's say I did do that. Like, let's say he's like, "Oh, you know, what? it's only a hundred. Still hundred I made in fifteen yeah. minutes. Yeah, so right. I wasn't gonna be fair yeah. enough. Right.
0: All right, Marzi, as someone who's transitioned." from the service industry to essentially a low-grade version of being a sex worker yeah yeah what about the what about being a stripper was more attracted to you than being a bartender was there like is that there's sort of a more honesty about it because I, I yeah. imagine like that some of the male bar patrons are sort of expecting a similar type mm-hmm. of interaction from you but it's couched in this other language or is it just is it that the money's better I mean there, there there's a there's a, a study, an anthropological study, a called uh, "Stripper Sex and Popular Culture." I can't remember the actual title of the book, but that's what it's about. And it talks about the, there's a, a woman who did the study whose friend dropped out of a PhD track in grad school because she was she felt more empowered as mm-hmm. a stripper than she was respected in the field that she was pursuing academically.
2: It's a major S- thing. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So what? What?
0: So it, was it? Is it that? Is that the empowerment? element of it is it the money is it some combination is it the honesty of the trade yeah what about it's, it's it? all
2: of the above you, you kind of hit major points it, it kind of goes back to something that I said earlier too when I was saying that like my when I was serving as opposed to bartending this customers would like grab my arm and be like what's that tattoo kind of thing it's like I was so used to being like manhandled and sexually harassed as like an attractive woman in a restaurant setting like for I mean I've been in the service industry for like 13 years now, I think, so it's, it's been a minute. <laughs> I was like, I'm really comfortable with my body. Like, I have no problem with it. I would rather just, like, make a lot more money to be treated the same way but just be in my underwear. And you are literally in, like, such a power position that people don't realize, like, I don't have to interact with anybody I don't want to at work. You know, like Which I, you
0: do as a server, as a bartender. You have to. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, like, I, I approach the customers that I think are nice that I want to talk to. And if I at any point in that interaction I don't want to talk to them, I walk away. If they do something awful, I go get my fucking door guy. That's can I, can I say that for <laughs> <strictly laughs> <laughs> I, I can go get well, my door guy, and they're out in, like, two seconds. You know, like, people don't realize how, like, you're not being, like, objectified to your detriment and, like, use. And, you know, like, you are choosing to do anything that you... You do, and mm. you you have. If you're a strong woman with the boundaries, then you can be totally fine in the profession. I, if if you don't, then that's when it gets tricky. But mm-hmm. huh. you know,
0: what are, um, are there? Are there some things? What what is worse? about And also about? the money. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What what is worse about it? What what do you? I mean, if you go to work, I mean, nobody likes everything about their job. What do you, what do you uh-huh. not like about your job?
2: You know. Uh, i've I've only been doing like four or five months and I started off at two of the nicest clubs in the city, so I've had a really lovely experience thus far mm-hmm. and like you know.
1: Did you work Mardi Gras?
2: Yeah, no, I started right after Mardi Gras mm. too, so I missed missed all that.
1: <laughs> so my, some of my friends are working uh, at yeah. the strip clubs. They're telling me it was like the slowest Mardi Gras for them. For some reason, they were just saying that like a lot of a lot of dancers will come down specifically just to work Mardi Gras mm-hmm. because it's supposed to be like a ton of money. Oh, we
2: have lots of travel dancers that yeah. come here. But following.
1: I I heard that this one in particular was really bad for some reason. I don't know.
2: I don't. Rick's had signs up saying that it was like the most uh, like they uh, made the most profit this Mardi Gras ever. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I don't...
1: Yeah. Mm. Maybe, just maybe one they of those just didn't things. have a good... Like good tipping this is the worst ever. I only yeah. made like $5,000.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the thing too. You know, like a lot of girls, like they'll be there for two hours and not make any money and they'll sit upstairs and they'll pout. It's like, get over <laughs> it. Go downstairs. Hustle. Like we get busy <laughs> after... Exactly. Go hustle. Like go... It, we don't get busy till after midnight. Like you go on a certain time so that way you don't pay a large house fee and mm-hmm. then like... You gotta kind of sit there for a minute, and then all of a sudden, in the last like hour or two, you'll make so much money. You Game know, of so averages, you you have right? to oh, stay man. in a mindset. Like right. people get.
0: get what's in the, the most you've ever made in a night?
2: The most I've ever made in a night so far was like probably about fourteen hundred. Mm. And what's the most you there's ever made in a night? There's as a one night. Oh, uh, I think I made like seven or eight hundred out of lead on a like a on a wow. New Year's Eve one night. Wow. Nice it was, it was a New Year's Eve, but yeah, I made 700 or 800 I, I did really? very well there. Mm, I think so. <laughs> it was so. great.
0: Huh. Uh, what's the most, uh, Josh, what's the most you've ever made as a, as a Betty Gabber in one shift? In Not $1,400, I'm guessing? Um, $1,500. <laughs> Wait, I left out there.
3: for was one night,
2: though. Ooh.
0: $2,200. $2,200? Wow. Yeah, he really? That's that. amazing. <laughs> this fat kid's going to get a shape. There was one night, I left out. <laughs> What about it, it
1: as was,
3: a, it was It was 18 hours.
1: What at, about at... What's okay, your social security number and last name as well for all, all our other... Oh, oh, no, I'm
3: broke. <laughs> <laughs> since, since Uber, I'm absolutely broke, so I'll give you all my information. I'll give it to you right now. I'll hand it to you. Yeah. What's,
0: um, what's the most you ever made as a musician?
3: <laughs> oh, game of averages. Since, <laughs> since, since technically I can't... I, I don't know of an 18-hour performance... You, most of them are like uh, the the most I got paid for the shortest amount of time was for a Red Bull event. Uh, we made two hundred and fifty per person, and we played for thirty minutes. Oh, solid! That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, super solid, and it was actually upstairs from a show that we were going to play already. So we played upstairs at in like the special event room at the Maison, mm. and then we came down and played a show right there. So we made more money. So. Oh, nice! Yeah, super convenient. <laughs> But yeah, like, the music The music thing is, like, very interesting because your your performances are mandatorily limited to, like, mm-hmm. like the longest you can really go is maybe... F- like, the longest I ever pushed my band was... One time for St. Patrick's Day, I pushed him like, seven hours. But, mm-hmm. like, none of us remember the last three, so I don't know if that counts. Yeah. <laughs> is,
1: is there an issue in New Orleans where... So many venues want to do music. I, I was at a I was at a restaurant recently. Shouldn't be too hard to figure this one out either. But uh, mm-hmm. I was at a restaurant that did live music, and to me, it definitely seemed that you know they the model that was there. You know, was expecting the musicians. Like it was a set amount of money. It wasn't a ton of money per musician, but it was really depending on like you know you're supposed to bring people in, and then they're going to tip you, and that's how you make up like that extra money to make this like you know a worthwhile gig. Sure, that doesn't seem normal. Is that normal? Like no.
3: That that is is that a New
1: Orleans thing? It's
3: it's a trending. I think it's trending across the entire music industry as as businesses and musicians are struggling to cope with the different ways that people are purchasing. And consuming the media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's not normal. Um, and also, it is an issue. Yeah. yeah. Because not, I wouldn't say the the number of places that have bands, mm-hmm. but, but really what they're expecting of the musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so, it's like you have to go to the place and bring your equipment And bring the people. Yeah. So then why would I come here as opposed to somewhere else? Like, why wouldn't I just go somewhere where there's already people and there's already equipment? Right. And then I'll get paid more. Like, it doesn't make. it literally makes no sense for me to come here.
1: It seems like there's a real devaluing of the services recently, definitely of the services that musicians bring to the table um, in the city, like, definitely in the last, like, five or six years. It's oh, just, definitely. It's just, yeah. like, uh, it's almost like a fixture. It's, like, just having, like, a grand piano and, like, you know, a lobby or something like that. It's, like, here's a musician. Right. Like And then, like, it's, like, oh, we're just going to talk into whatever the fuck and, like, you <laughs> know, not even
3: pay attention to the music. <laughs> Actually, um, that's a I'm, – I'm glad you brought that up. Probably – the hardest thing for me was, like, I, I'd been playing music on Frenchman Street just seven years ago when Frenchman was sort of just beginning its transitional phase. That's mm-hmm. when I started. I was playing Saturday nights. And the demographic, like, everything has shifted from from the music being the centerfold to music being, like, tacked on at the end, like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and which, which decreases the amount of money that you make yeah. from tips... From because people aren't there necessarily to see your band. They're mm-hmm. just they actually a lot of people don't know why they're there. They're yeah. just told to go to. French they were Bend. told to go to. It's <laughs> like looking around.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it to me it's like brunch like people think that brunch is magical and, and brunch brunch is great especially a 12 mile limit on Saturday Friday Saturdays and Sundays that's right <laughs> but I think a lot of people look at brunch as being this thing that's gonna like you know change my life it's like I'm gonna get like an omelette that like you know is gonna make everything better it is going to be oh, the end yeah. cap of my beautiful weekend but like there's something like some people are, are and you know there's so much to like the tourist industry here in New Orleans that pushes this narrative of like magic and mysticism it's like Oh, you got to go to New Orleans. You you don't even understand. You have to go there, and then you'll understand. So I think there's a lot of people out there who's like, I'm going to like, like, I'm going to go to Frenchman Street, and then I'll I'll understand. Like they've been telling me, and it's it's. I mean, it may or may not happen. I mean, it's just definitely. I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, I guess good question for both of you all as well. You were talking about visiting dancers coming to strip Uh clubs as well. I think that's uh probably a little more par for the course, but. The influx of musicians coming into the city, there definitely seems to be, and this could just be, I I, I don't have any skin in the game, but just outside of perspective, it seems like there's a lot of people who move here to be performing musicians. Um, Does that negate from people who were born and raised in New Orleans? Is that watering down? Does that lower the rates as well that people are expecting? Like, Do you have people coming in from like wherever, middle America, and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a jazz musician,
3: but I'm going to do this for super cheap? Sure. Uh, Yeah, we have one of the highest concentrations of musicians per capita Mm. of anywhere in the U.S., so definitely. Mm. I mean, could you imagine Mm. if you lived in the city with the most bartenders and if any other city? We're getting there. Yeah, Yeah, I think we (laughs) And you can can feel it. And you can feel that. Like, you know, like, like, as soon as... Because I think one of the things is, like, as soon as you can recognize that, like, if I don't show up, then they're going to replace me and in a heartbeat mm. regardless of why i didn't show up yeah like that's like i don't know it's a it's an unfortunate feeling to feel like okay you know like so i've like i've messed up my wrist or my my hand because i tripped and fell but i have to go play this gig even though like it's gonna really suck right. the whole time or like my voice is blown but i still have to go play a show or whatever like mm-hmm. so and yeah we get less because of the increase in musicians And it definitely, absolutely, 100% affects the indigenous culture here. Absolutely. There's just no two ways about it. How about for you, Marcy? Like, uh, do
1: you ever see... Uh, have you worked any shifts where uh, maybe a visiting dancer comes in and it takes away from the money that you could typically make because maybe they're given like a better spot or,
2: Mm-mm. or like, it doesn't really work that way where no. they'd be given a better spot. It's just rotation. And also like how you interact with customers and mm-hmm. the, the mindset that I like to have going into work is it doesn't matter how many women there are or who it is, mm-hmm. like you're still you and you're your own commodity yeah. and product. Like, so, you know, like f- I'm very different yeah. than most dancers as well, you know. I'm right. I'm a little bit more like straightforward and like ha ha ha. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like hi, how are you? <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> so I do, I I stand out in a different way. Yeah. So that's not really a factor for me. But anyway, I mean, I would always like the best way to go into it is it doesn't matter who's there or what's mm-hmm. there. So you know. It, doesn't really matter, I don't think. Is
1: it pretty transient me? at most of the clubs? Like, do do you see a lot of girls who like they're just trying it out and they're like, you know, this really isn't for me? Or do you see people who just like move to town and it's like, you know, New Orleans isn't for me? Or does it seem like it's a lot of people who have been here, lived here, kind of like get it?
2: Well, yeah. So I, like I said, I work at two of the nicer clubs as of right now. I'm gonna branch out a little bit more just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I work at some shittier and, clubs, <laughs> and plus that, that that wallet on Bourbon Street is crazy right now. Yeah, um, but dumb. no, I mean. Where I work, because of the nature of the places I work, there's per- girls that work there permanently. Um, I've seen a co- like a couple girls come for a few months at a time, and you know, kind of go down down the rabbit hole of New Orleans, and it didn't suit them well, and they had to go back to where they were for mm-hmm. sure. But you know, I'm kind of blessed that I don't deal with that too much at work. Um, so cool, but it, I'm, that's definitely an aspect of it everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, for sure.
0: Right on. Um, yeah, I think we're we're getting up towards uh, towards an hour. That's where we usually cap things off. We like to give our guests an opportunity to say where they're gonna where you can find them on a regular basis. You want to come see one of our guests at their at their place of business. Then, uh, or not, if you don't want anyone <laughs> to, to come find you. Like, hey, I heard Too you on hot. the radio, um, or the internet. I guess we're not on yeah. the actual radio, but uh, so yeah. But it's just a parting shot. Any any final thoughts that you have, or just reintroduce yourself to our to our listening public, and and, and any anything that you want to to leave our leave our guests with here at the end of the show. Uh, ladies first, oh. <laughs> or not, if you would prefer um, us to go. Come find
2: me at Rick's Cabaret or Hustler. Larry Flynn, not not the barely. Do you made have any one.
0: regular shifts that you work?
2: No, I just that's that's the perk of being a stripper. You go to work when you
0: want. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. It does sound kind of nice. I
2: might be there sometimes <laughs> if, you
0: come, if you come
2: looking for me. My name <laughs> no. may or may not be Betty. That's, I'll find <laughs> you. That's the plug I've ever heard yeah. on the show so far. All
0: right, uh, Josh. How about you? Bearing in mind that this uh, will not air until the middle of this coming week, so anything oh, this right. weekend you can't really effectively plug. where, where can we find you? Um, I usually play
3: Monday nights at RF's in uh, on Dauphine and Bien- Bienville, mm-hmm. and I play Tuesdays at Apple Barrel six thirty to nine thirty. But then I play a whole host of other shows. Um, but yeah, honestly, the best way to do that is to find me on my Facebook page.
0: All right. All, all right. What's your What's your Facebook page? Is it just listed? What's your full it, name for your Facebook page? Oh, right
3: it's, right. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash Nola Lips.
0: Nola lips.
3: Yeah, it just my Josh Benitez. while not un, not uncommon in the Latin world. It's unique here, but there's so, so yeah. Josh Benitez is just taken in every form. <laughs> Josh Benitez music. Josh Benitez band. Joshua Benitez. <laughs> Joshua Benitez. You know whatever. Like it's, it's all. It's all. Just go highlander. Just cut all their heads off. <laughs> there, their can can only called, one. there can be. There can be only one. Benitez. I have a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's all right. Nobody said it was easy to <laughs> be the highlander, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um I will say this, you know, um to anyone out there, definitely definitely don't tip less than twenty percent if you unless you're just broke. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're broke, it's cool, like I get it, but but like definitely. And, and until uh, and if you like the band, tip the band. Tip we the band. We what if do you we don't like the band? Tip the band anyway. Give them a dollar or, or a just dollar. leave. Yeah, or leave. Why are you there?
0: <laughs> maybe yeah. waiting for it to get better yeah I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really thought these guys were about to turn the corner man hey
3: you'll, you, you, you'll be surprised how good a band gets when you put a 20 in the bucket <laughs> 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 you'll be
0: surprised how about Steve? You got any parting thoughts no. here? You want to want to share? Uh, parting
1: shots? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I thought we would talk a little bit more about tipping on the show, but definitely the subject matters of all these work experiences kind of like you know drew me in in a couple different directions. We went a little tangential, I think. Um, as far as tipping goes, um, you know, I think that the information's out there. Uh, let people know. Don't be rude about it. If you're in the industry, like. You know, it's it it's not becoming to talk like this is a great venue, this is a great opportunity to talk about tipping, but like, you know, in the service well, complaining about your tips, like within customer earshot. I mean, that just sucks, guys. Come on, yeah. let's do our job the right ways. Um, in general, though, like there's a systematic problem like with the service industry, and it's just the fact that we are still tip driven, and the margins are too small inside of restaurants and bars, and a lot of these industries where the owners of these properties can't pay living wages, and it's an it's a multiple tiered problem where like you know people aren't willing to pay the amount of money that products are worth, and because of that, you know it makes razor razor thin margins, and the escape for that for a long time has been the tip system. So I'm very much for you know, eventually we've got to start moving away from this in order to like you know provide healthcare for people, provide living wages for people, and longevity. You know, like, you know yeah. we all work in lo- as contract employees. If we get hurt, we don't get paid. So oh, uh, there's yeah. we have to move away from it. it's a system that's been in place for hundreds of years a hundred years or so I think is how long tipping's been going on in this country sure um, and it's it's got to change eventually like one way or another that's a topic for another show I'm sure yeah but sure Cole what you got for us brother I,
0: I kind of like the tipping system I've I've always done pretty well I offer a fine level of service and I tend to do better than 20% and I think I do better with a tipping structure than I would with an elevated hourly rate so for me the advantage is there but I can understand that it doesn't work for everybody that a, a waitress at a Denny's who's arguably working considerably harder than I am uh, is probably making a lot less and that's not that's not necessarily fair um, but i I have always come out on top with a tipping based system, so I think for me just like just as a matter of self interest I, I think it's good as, and as a, and as a business owner you're right I can't afford to pay people that or I would have to jack up the prices, and then the perception of the value that you're getting would be less even if you're spending the same amount so the tipping system works for me as a business owner as well and I think one of the things we talked about is like don't don't complain about it, but also just recognize that it, it seems like across the board one of the things that we've seemed to agree on is that the the greater value than a big tip is just a level of human decency like yeah. if we talking about the, the guest that came oh, comes yeah, in on a regular yeah. basis and we love this guy who almost never tips but we just we like him because he's a good guy he's nice he's honest he's kind that that is like even if you can't afford a tip then and honestly if you can't afford a tip you shouldn't be going out to begin with in my <laughs> opinion but if you can't afford a tip, just be nice to people, and that'll get you a long way. You know, a yeah, 50% tip will get you a long way, too. Craft. But I would rather get stiffed by somebody who was really kind than get a 100% tip from an asshole. So nice. maybe that's my parting shot. That's a great parting shot. <laughs>
1: all righty, y'all. You have tuned into another episode of Around with Stephen Cole. Uh, thank you to our guest. Uh, thank you to all of our faithful listeners. I'm Steve Yamata.
0: I'm T. Cole Newton. Thanks for tuning in.
1: And tip your staff. Tip, Cheers. Tip Thank everyone. You.
0: Cheers. Bye. <laughs>